0: Yichesco chapter 44. So in chapter 44, once again, we're still on the tour. In Yechesco chapter 44, there's a discussion about who is to serve in this temple. So chapter 44, verse number 15. asher shamruet mishmeret Yisrael so, who is eligible to bring the sacrifices? We remember that in Yecheskel's temple, as described, the central, the central vessel in the temple is the altar, the outside altar. There's also a table on the inside, most likely a table where the Lechem ha-panim, where the showbread is placed. Outside of that, there's no mention of any other vessel, who are the ones who will come to serve me? Answer the priests, the kohenim Halviim, they're hither called kohenim Liviyim, these are priests beneath Sadok, the descendants of Tzadok. They're the ones who may serve me. Why? Because when all of Israel turned away from me, and many of the priests also were unfaithful to me, says God, but there was one group of priests that was faithful from the family of Tzadok, and those are the ones, and only those, can actually do the service. The other priests are disqualified from service. The Levim, the Levites, have an auxiliary role. They guard. And that guarding can be a dangerous uh, occupation because in the Torah, you if you don't guard properly, you take responsibility, and they help with the sacrifices to a point. They can slaughter the animals, but the sacrificial rite is performed by the priests who are B'nai Tzadok. Now, what do we know about B'nai Tzadok? Answer is not too much. But we know, of course, that in the book of Shmuel, we have Tzadok. In the book of Shmuel, when David is, has been anointed king, but is not yet king, he, he has a priest who accompanies him. The priest is named Evyatar. And Evyatar is from the house of Eli. And Evyatar, uh, is a survivor of the massacre of Nob, and he joins David throughout David's career. At the end, as David is dying, David's son Adonia essentially declares himself king without consulting his ailing father, and there's a great division in Israel. Should Adonia become the next king or not? He has the support of David's commander-in-chief, Yoav, and he also has the support of Evyatar the priesthood. On the other side, there are those who don't support Adonia, and they end up supporting Solomon, Shlomo, and the, David's other priest, named Zadok is the one that supports Shlomo. It's not clear he supports Shlomo, or he doesn't support Adonia, but at the end of the day, he's on the side of Shlomo. So there we have a division between the two priests. Evyatar is out. Evyatar is from that cursed house of Eli. It's not clear where Sadok is from but he's not identified in the text as being from the house of Eli, and Sadok becomes the appropriate priest for David. It strikes me that in this book, which only a few chapters earlier spoke about, that there'll be one unified nation, that Judah and Joseph will be one, will be joined together, and one king will lead them all, one faithful shepherd, and that is David, that it is appropriate. If David is the faithful shepherd, then it's appropriate perhaps, that Sadok, and the house of Sadok, are chosen specifically to be those that serve in the temple and bring the sacrifices on the altar, which is central to Yechezkel's temple. I don't think we can emphasize enough that in this temple, the sacrificial rite, the bringing of the sacrifices, is at the center of the temple, the absolute center of the temple, spatially, but it's also the one vessel that's actually described, and the way the temple is to be consecrated is also separately described. Uh, so if, if we ask ourselves the question, what is the function of the temple? If we ask the question, what is the function in the Torah of the mishkan, of the tabernacle that is built? Certainly the Torah says, build me a holy space, vishochanti betocham I will dwell amongst them, but I don't think we can question that in the Chumash, the purpose of having God's presence in the midst of the people is that the God who's present in the midst of the people is a commanding God. God continues to speak, to command, to direct Israel. So certainly one of, if not the primary purpose of the tabernacle was to be a God who teaches and instructs. And in fact, Ramban, Nachmanides, in his great commentary, presents it as a continuation of Mount Sinai. God spoke at Sinai, God commanded at Sinai, and the Mishkan is simply an extension of that, a continuation of that. If we go to Solomon's temple, a much more ornate temple, in some ways similar to Yecheskel's temple in size, is much bigger but, and, and different. But Solomon's temple, when the temple is being inaugurated, so Shlomo, King Solomon, gives a very lengthy speech about how he sees this temple. And the way he sees this temple, he makes it very clear that fundamentally the temple can't be God's house, because how can a small space contain God? The heavens can't contain you god how can this little house so for solomon the temple is a place where prayers are collected it's fundamentally a house of prayer there are also sacrifices but fundamentally it's prayer and this is the post office box where the prayers are collected The God is Bashamayim. Solomon repeats this many times. God is in heaven. You could approach God in heaven through the house. And maybe not only the house. Solomon even speaks about approaching God through the city of Jerusalem, the holy city. That's Solomon's temple. Solomon redefined the temple. Solomon turned the temple into a house of prayer. Recalls for us verses from Isaiah. My house shall be a house of prayer for all nations, and Salman also spoke about the, the non-Jew, the foreigner, who comes to the temple, the Nahri who comes to the temple. When we get to Yechezkel's vision, it's radically different. It's not about a place where God continues to speak. There's no mention of that at all. To the degree that there's any teaching going on, it's, it's the B'nai Tzadok, the Tzadokites of our chapter, will do the teaching. But there's much less of a focus on the teaching. It's not Moses' tabernacle. Moses is an instructor. Moses is a Rebbe. Moses teaches us. In Yechezkel, there's very little of that. It's not a house of prayer whatsoever. It doesn't seem to be... Prayer is not mentioned at all. It is a place of service of God. It's a place to pay homage to God. That's what Yechezkel's temple is all about. It's about God's space. Entering into God's space, a tremendous focus on, on boundaries and borders, because at the end of the day, God is other, completely other, and we have to maintain the distance and the boundaries, and it's essentially about service. Now, what's interesting, both in the temple of the Torah, the Mishkan, and of course Solomon's temple, you bring sacrifices. The prophets often railed against those who thought that the bringing of sacrifices in and of itself is sufficient, but be that as it may, it is a place of sacrifice, both in the Torah and for But it doesn't occupy, in my opinion, the same centrality that it occupies in Yechezkel's Temple. Yechezkel's Temple is about God's space. It's God's space, it's God's world, and the recognition of that, the utopian vision of Yechezkel, is that we will come to recognize that god has the space but that doesn't mean that everybody can simply walk in and approach god in the inner 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 space the holy of holies if this if the plain reading that i suggest and others have suggested as well is correct maybe nobody ever enters there maybe no one ever goes there it's only god's space in the torah you enter once a year with the cloud with the Katoret, with the incense with the sacrifices, Yom Kippur, it's very dangerous. In Yechesco, maybe you never enter at all. And there are gradations. Those that were faithful and loyal to God in the past, we can presume they will not defile the temple, make it ritually impure. They're the ones who serve the Abedit Sadok, The other priests are out. The Israelites can enter in the outer courtyard to bring their sacrifices, but they never enter to the inner courtyard. The Levian will help them bring the sacrifice. They themselves don't enter into the inner courtyard. They're in the gate. And this is the way it's set up with Yechezkel. So the image of Yechezkel's temple is very much in line with the entire book of Yechezkel, a God-centered book. The focus, for example, on repentance that we saw earlier. People can repent. People can change. People can move towards God. But the book of Yechezkel has this other model. I will pour upon you the purifying waters. That suggests that people in and of themselves may not be able, that Israel may not be able in and of themselves to purify themselves. But since they bear God's name, and since misbehavior on their part and punishment of them is a desecration of God's name, so God said, I will purify them. If they can't do it themselves, I will purify them for my sake, for my sake. So the temple Yechezkel's temple is all about the presence of God, for God's sake, and that involves service, that involves sacrifice. So whereas the ark is the central vessel in Solomon's temple, and the central vessel in the Chumash without question, but in the temple of Yechezkel is the place of sacrifice, is the altar.